You're listening to Faithful Adaptation, an audio series produced by Luther Seminary's Faith Lead, a connection hub for current and emerging faith leaders curious about big ideas and breakthrough practices for ministry. In this episode, recorded June 18, 2020, Ryan Panzer addresses the topic, Stay Signed On, What's Next for Online Church? Today, we'll be talking about what's next for online church. Now that we've been through and are still continuing to be through this extended period of shifting so much of what we do together to the internet, you know, what's going to happen in, in the coming months? And, you know, it's hard to say with definitive accuracy what the timeline might be and, and when some of these things might take place. But my goal for this session is to introduce some questions that might provoke some thoughts and some insights about where we as church leaders go from here. So a little bit about my background. Uh, I like to live at the intersection of technology and, and church. I graduated from Luther Seminary last year and I continue to work in, in the tech industry where I started my career at Google and currently I work at a tech company called Zendesk where I focus on leadership developments and coaching. As I do that, I do a, a little bit of research and, and writing about how the church intersects with technology. And some of those findings are going to be featured in a book that I'm, I'm currently writing with Fortress Press. It's called Grace and Gigabytes, Being Church in a Tech-Shaped Culture. And that book is coming out this December. So this is my, one of my favorite topics. Um, I hope by no means that anyone is burnt out on talking about church and technology because this is something I have a, a lot of passion for. Uh, and I'm hoping uh, for some uh, interesting conversation today. So let me start by giving you three possible scenarios for what might take place in, I'm just going to refer to it as the time to come because every church is going to be navigating these, these times differently. And what I mean by the times, what I mean by the times to come is when our church buildings begin to reopen, whether that's a phased approach, whatever it looks like, uh, whether our buildings are already open or may remain closed until there's a vaccine, there's a whole range of possibilities that um, span across denominational commitments that span across political ideologies. And, and so I'm not necessarily as interested in the question of when do we reopen our buildings so much as I'm interested in the question of what do we do with everything we just learned about being church online? You know, what do we make of all of this? Well, there's three possible scenarios as, as I think of it. The first scenario is that we'll stop doing online church. Some churches will reopen their buildings. Uh, and that'll kind of be the end of their, their, uh, their foray into the digital world. They might maintain a website. They still might have their social media pages. Uh, maybe occasionally they'll post a nice picture or update their website uh, when, the, when a new pastor is called. But for all intents and purposes, those ministries will cease to do church in virtual spaces. There's another scenario, which I think is probably going to be the most common of these three. And that scenario is that churches will continue to live stream worship. And that'll be their primary expression of virtual church. But 
that expression will primarily be an alternative to an in-person worship experience. So the online worship viewer will be relegated to a seat way in the back as those who are in the building, sitting in the pews, enjoy perhaps the, um, what is perceived as the most authentic expression of, of church, of worship, of, of time with God. There's a third way though, and that's what I'd like us to discover today or start to think about today. And that would be building a bridge between offline church and online church. By figuring out what it means for us to be the church in a world where the boundaries between our offline and our online uh, experiences have been completely blurred. And that's really the nature of tech-shaped culture. That's really the nature of the digital age. It's really no longer accurate to say that anybody goes online. Um, in fact, uh, we really live online. And so that's what I'd like us to figure out, uh, start thinking about today. What does that bridge look like and, and how do we start to build it? So to get a little bit more into some of these scenarios, uh, I'm going to start by talking about congregations who are likely to stop doing online church entirely. And, and I think this scenario is most likely for small congregations with, with limited staff or for churches who saw a marked decrease in worshipers during the last three months. You might find that there's congregations out there that say, we just, we just don't have the resources. We don't have somebody to stand in the back with a camera. Uh, we don't have the expertise. We're just going to stop doing this. And there are advantages of that approach. Um, perhaps the most, uh, most advantageous aspect of it is that it's going to emphasize the importance of togetherness after a time where we've all been apart for a very long time. And, and when I talk about stopping online church entirely, hopefully what we're looking at here is stopping it after it's safe for all of our parishioners, all of our community members to join back together for public worship. But my personal bias is that this particular scenario has a lot of drawbacks. And, and I think perhaps the, 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 the two most important drawbacks from the standpoint of church leadership is that we're gonna miss out on a chance to uh, do, do our, to, to fulfill our mission and to engage those who are unlikely to walk into our church building. Um, before the pandemic, I was in, you know, probably like most of us, I was, you know, in a church building on every Sunday morning. For the last three months, I, I've been worshiping virtually with my wife and my seven-month-old uh, daughter. I thought, this online worship thing really works well for me. Uh, I have a fussy baby. She likes to take a nap every Sunday at about 1030. And for whatever reason, she doesn't like it when mom and dad are watching something on the television. So to stop online church is to stop a lot of people from experiencing what it's like to be a participant in the work of your congregation. There's also the fact that if we stop doing church online, we're going to miss out on the learning experiences that we've had from these last three months. All of this time to practice and refine and experiment. If we stop doing anything online, we stop streaming our worship services, we stop creating online content, suddenly it's, it's like we've just erased all of the memory of what we've um, collected in our, in, our, in our minds during this, during this unprecedented time. And frankly, there's a public health risk with stopping online church. 
if indeed there is a second wave of coronavirus, and we don't necessarily know what December, January, February are going to look like, if we stop to stop doing online church in the coming months, what's going to happen if we have to pull back and, and go back into some kind of an online setting? What's that transition going to be like? Is it going to be abrupt? Is it going to be jarring? It, to me, that that experience of having to pivot back to in-person just to pivot back online in the event of a second wave is going to introduce some turbulence into our faith communities that might not be there if we continue to be intentional about the digital church. Okay, so that second scenario of, of, the, line, of the live stream alternative. Uh, you'll see this a lot with churches who used platforms like Facebook Live, YouTube, and Zoom to bring worship uh, to their community during the quarantine. And I think as a percentage of, of churches, uh, this will probably be 60, 75% of all congregations will, will use this going forward. The advantage is we already know how to do this. If we're, if we're doing church online, we already know how to log into Zoom. We've probably got somebody that knows how to operate a camera for using Facebook Live. Um, we figured out how the microphones work. Maybe we've even figured out how to post our church bulletins with, uh, with a QR code or to do giving uh, via an app or via some kind of a, a donations platform. So this is gonna be familiar. But if we live stream as an alternative, does that create a second tier worship experience? And does that create an experience of faith formation that's somehow passive or, or maybe a little bit more shallow? Um, these are questions that we want to think about because we want to make sure that there's integration in our communities between those who are uh, present on the internet and those who are present offline. Now, that third scenario is going to be the hardest to achieve, but I think it's kind of our gold standard and it's what we ought to be aspiring towards. And that's the integration of the online church and the offline church um, or full engagement within a term I call hybrid, a hybrid space or a hybrid culture, that culture that lives online and offline simultaneously. This scenario is going to be likely for churches who are thoughtful and intentional starting right about now. Um, right now is the opportunity to think about laying that groundwork for how we're going to um, bring people who are assembled online and people who are assembled in a building together to have a similar experience of God, uh, a similar level of participation in our, in our church's uh, mission and vision, um, and a similar opportunity to uh, participate in God's work in the world. The advantage of this approach is it's going to be a great way to build community um, across a new cultural landscape that frankly the church has not prior to COVID been particularly adept at, at navigating. Um, and, and ultimately the biggest advantage of this approach is, is alignment. If we can figure out how to create a church that's a hybrid of online and offline, our Christian community then comes into alignment with our broader tech-shaped culture. 
in a way that few churches have been able to achieve previously. Of course, this does have some drawbacks. Not a lot of people know how to do this. There's a lot of churches that have figured out live streaming. There's a lot of churches who have figured out how to stop doing anything online altogether. Not a lot of best practices exist on how to, how to build this bridge. So from a church leadership standpoint, this is going to require considerable creativity and a willingness to be innovative. So let me give you a few ideas here. Uh, I, I myself am trying to figure out how to do this and how my faith community can, um, can, can do some of these things. But just a few conversation starters or ideas. One way you can look at this is when you're thinking about your liturgy or your, or your preaching or your prayers to make sure that you're using inclusive language. Um, and, and what I mean in this context is speaking to and praying for those that are gathered physically or, or, or gathered virtually. When, when you pray for members of your congregation, are you specifically praying for those who are joining via Zoom? Are you naming the platforms that they use? Uh, when, you're, when you're preaching, are you making comments that are specifically addressed at those who are dialed in online? So much of this doesn't need to be solved by brilliant uses of technology. It can just be solved with some of the language we use and whether we're intentional and welcoming. There are some ways we can get creative with our technology though. And, and in terms of our, our liturgy and our screen use, perhaps there's a way that we can bring those who are gathered online into our sanctuary. I don't know if anybody watched the NFL draft this April, um, but the NFL draft is this major event. Uh, it's watched by tens of millions of people around the world. And usually they have tens of thousands of people watching in person. But this year, the draft was held completely virtually. You had the commissioner of the NFL uh, hosting from his house and all the general managers of the 32 NFL teams sitting in their living room, most of them with, with their kids sitting next to them. What they did was they had this screen um, which had the faces of, of several fans, about 16 to 20 fans per team that were rooting for their team as the commissioner announced the pick. So right behind the commissioner, you had this Zoom screen with 20 to 25 faces. And I thought, how neat would it be if we could have some kind of a screen in our sanctuary so we could see the faces of those who are gathered online and so they can be just as part as much of a part of our worship experience as those sitting in the pews. And lastly, I think there's an opportunity to make the pulpit a virtual experience. Um, this doesn't necessarily take a lot of technology. It can, it can be as simple as you know, using Zoom and attaching your laptop to, um, to a Bluetooth speaker. But could you use a virtual lector, um, a virtual canter? Could the, the prayers of the people be led by somebody who joins a service uh, that, that's online? Uh, could you have a sermon that's jointly preached by a pastor in a pulpit and a pastor on an iPhone? All of these are opportunities to build this bridge. And most of these don't require us to learn any new technology. They just require a little bit of, of thought, brainstorming, and, and creativity. The last thing I want to share with you um, is thinking about 
what a, a typical week in the life of the digital integrated church might look like. You know, if we build this bridge between the online and the offline church experience, how, how will we know it? Well, I, I think in some ways we'll know it through the, the rhythm of our, of our life together. Fridays uh, or, or late in the week, we have an opportunity to use online platforms to introduce themes that might be preached on or themes that are readily apparent in the scriptures and the songs that people are going to experience on Sunday. And if we want to build a bridge between online and offline, we should be using online platforms to introduce those themes so our community is able to start processing and reflecting before they enter into a sanctuary, whether they enter that sanctuary on Facebook or, or through the, the doors of a congregation. Now, Sunday is when we gather for, for digitally integrated word and sacrament. I'm not going to open the can of worms about, you know, having communion online, though my church did have communion online last Sunday and it was a, a you know, a, a wonderful, graceful experience and so, so filling for so many. But Sunday is that opportunity to gather together uh, synchronously at the same time, uh, combining the online and the offline. And then Monday through Thursday is when we focus our, um, our church's leadership on sending out into the world by supporting discipleship and lived practices of faith with cultivated online, ex online ex experiences, whether that's a podcast, whether that's blog posts or, or things on social media that are written by pastors, uh, whether you wanna have community members record short videos reflecting on the sermon or the themes that um, emerged from, from, from that week in the church. I think Monday through Thursday is when we want to be looking back. So that, that cycle of looking ahead, gathering, and then sending out into the world provides a rhythm to the hybrid church that can guide some of these discussions about how we move forward and what we do from here. Oh, right. Sorry, can I, uh, yeah, I would like to interrupt maybe with a question or so. Um, yeah, please do. A lot of this is, um, if your thinking has been um, focused on worship, which is, you know, very important. Uh, there are a lot of other aspects of church life that have also been kind of challenged to become digital, um, different kinds of meetings and small groups and so forth. Um, I mean, how might that also take be taken in kind of be part of an integrated um integrated way of being church you know? sure yeah that's a great question uh, let me give you two examples that i've spent a fair bit of time thinking about uh, a lot of us are engaged in the work of faith formation uh, teaching confirmation classes adult ed bible studies uh, you may be familiar with the concept of, of flipping the classroom and when you flip the classroom uh, learners take all of the conceptual information and they, they, they read it, they digest it ahead of time so that when we gather synchronously all together at the same time, we can construct something. Uh, we, can, we can write reflection, we can have a discussion, uh, we can create a skit, wh whatever, whatever it is that um, that opportunity calls for. So uh, to put, put this in, in an example, if um, I'm leading a confirmation class and I'm teaching on the Old Testament and we're looking at the Hebrew prophets. Um, what I might do is record a 10 minute podcast that talks about Jeremiah and Isaiah and who they were 
and when they did their prophecy and what some of the themes are with, within those books. And I, and I put that in a 10 minute podcast. So when parents are driving their kids back to confirmation class, they can listen to that together. Yeah. And then when I have, you know, as a church leader, Christian ed educator, when I have my 40 minutes with those kids, I might spend a couple of minutes reviewing that content. But what I want us to do as a group is to write a prophetic text in the style of Jeremiah uh, that addresses contemporary social justice issues. You know, can we write a prophetic text that um, that calls out systemic racism and uh, asks for God's help in taking a stand against against racism in our world? So I think that that's one way uh, you can go about creating the, the digital churches through 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 Christian education. And the other way I would say is if you've got meetings in every church, just committee committee to meet, committee meetings, council meetings, board meetings. Give people an opportunity to join from from wherever they are and make it a good experience uh, i've been on councils and boards that'll you know throw out a conference call line but you can't really hear what they're saying uh, it's not a great experience you know, invest in a 25 dollars pair of speakers so everybody can be involved in the conversation uh, make everything your church does available to folks wherever they find themselves yeah a lot of those thank you ryan for that um a lot of the recommendations you have for how to do integrated church well, you know, at the, at the pulpit level and inclusive language and so forth, all that would apply to if you're leading a meeting that is a blended meeting with some people in the room together and some people offline. All sure. those are excellent rules as well. Thanks for listening to Faithful Adaptation, an audio series from Luther Seminary. Stay up to date on our Faith Lead conversations and see upcoming guests in the series. Join the Faith Lead Learning Laboratory, the social network for Christian leaders to connect and share at faithlead.mn.co. Thanks for joining us.